Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. I want to pray a prayer as we begin the sermon this morning that was prayed at the the UK National Vineyard National Conference about five years ago. <clears throat> when, uh, when I heard this prayer, it lodged in my heart, and uh, I, I pray this probably weekly. And I pray it for our church, and I just want to pray it in your presence today. And this is our prayer as we move into the rest of the message, or the rest of the service, the, the message this morning. <clears throat> So pray with me. God, our hearts are hungry. Our need is great. We've gathered together to call on your name. We feel the poverty of our attempts to build. Nothing means anything unless it is filled with your presence, with your power. Oh God, let this be the hour. Because unless you build the house, we toil in vain. And so we cry out again and again, oh God, how we long for rain. We're desperate for you. And though the sky may be clear with no cloud in sight, we stand in hope as we watch the skies. We'll keep on looking again and again. Keep on seeking. Keep on praying. Keep on listening for the sound, for those words, I see a cloud. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come like a flood. Come like torrential rain from above. Come move among us with power to save. Drench us, stir us, don't leave us unchanged. God, would you come and do in our day? And oh, that someone about us would say, have you heard about that great move of God? It's amazing to think about. It encourages our hearts and that's all fine. But deep down, this is our cry. Oh God, let this be the place. Let now be the time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Dennis and I started a series, um, eight-week series, Five weeks ago, so this is the fifth sermon in a series called Union with Christ. And we're talking about what it means to be one with Christ. And you understand that is the normal Christian life, to be one with him. And last week I talked about uh, Romans 6 and what it means that we died with Christ. We were co-crucified with Christ. You see, the, the people... In, in the West, believe that the gospel is Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. And that's a really good place to start because that actually happened. Jesus died on the cross to deal with the, the guilt and penalty of our sins. But what about the, what about the, uh, uh, the power and slavery of sin? Well, last week we talked about how Jesus took us with him as the last Adam to the cross, to the grave, 
and through to the resurrection. And so we were co-crucified with Christ. We were co-buried with him. And we were co-raised with him to live a new life in the spirit, which is how he lived. And so I, I love what it says in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. I believe that's, yeah, here it is. Throw off everything that hinders Anything in our lives that hinder us from, from running this race with Jesus and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You see, God has plans for you and me. And as long as I'm pastor here, for the rest of the time that I pastor this church, I want to point us to running the race unhindered, Unentangled by sin. If you've ever watched the Olympics, you know that no Olympic athlete runs with their warm-up suit on, right? They don't run with their sweats on. They take that stuff off. They, they strip down as far as they can without being indecent. And they run with, you know, shorts and a, and a tank top, you know, because anything else would entangle them. That's how we're supposed to run. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out before us. Here it is. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so last week I was basically talking about let's, let's throw off, put off sin because we can now. We died with Christ. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. And the, 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 the crux of Romans 6 is therefore reckon yourselves, consider yourselves, credit yourselves dead to sin but alive unto God in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, my message is Christ living in us and through us. See, that's really the point. The point's not just victory over sin. It's not that I just don't want to be a slave to sin. I want to be completely connected with Christ to the point that he's actually living his life through me, in me and through me. You know, guys, there's really two ways to approach this Christian life. Two ways to approach this Christian life. One is what I call cordless drill Christianity. And the other is abiding in the vine. It's self-effort versus letting Jesus live his life through us. Let me illustrate. I guess you guys were wondering what was under this little thing. So this is a cordless drill. And this represents the, the first type of, of Christian life. This is uh, self-effort. This is cordless drill Christianity. Everybody knows what this is, right? It's a battery. You put the battery in the charger, and then, <clears throat> you know, you come to church, and, and you get your battery charged. I've actually heard people say this. I came to church this morning to get my battery charged so I can make it through the week. So I plug that sucker in. Hey, and I got power. And Monday, I got power. Tuesday, I got power. Wednesday, I got power. Thursday, not so much power. Friday, Saturday, what's wrong with this thing? So Sunday, I come to church and charge my battery again. That's a really pitiful way to live. Because you know what happens to that battery? Eventually, it stops charging. I found that out in 2012. 
I couldn't charge my battery any longer. It ran out of juice. It just, it just wouldn't charge any longer. And I had this. There was nothing left of me. And I died in 2012. That's a, you know, if you haven't heard my story, that's a whole other thing. But I had a full-blown breakdown in 2012. Never thought I'd come back here. But then I discovered a new way to live. Cordless Christianity, cordless drilled Christianity is, is the recharge. It's this dependence on my flesh and myself to get fired up for Jesus and then to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to put my WWJD bracelet on. What would Jesus do? Well, he'd do everything perfectly. That's what Jesus would do. And I'm going to try my best to, to I'm, I, I've heard so many, even, even in the last month, I've heard people make this statement, I am trying my best to live for Jesus. Well, good luck with that. Because it will lead to exhaustion and burnout. I guarantee it. If that's how you're approaching this thing. If you're doing that, just stop. Stop trying to live for Jesus. He has no interest in you living for him. How does he want us to live? Well, let's look at that. You know, Jesus, when he was getting ready to, uh, to die, he was getting ready to, to start this whole thing with, with uh, you know, dying for our sins so that we could be forgiven of the guilt and penalty of sin. But then as the last Adam, he was about to wrap the human race up in himself and co-crucify us and co-bury us and co-resurrect us. On the other side, just read Romans 6, Romans 8, uh, Galatians 3. I love this. So, that, so, so that's what happened. He, he went to the cross. But as he's on his way there, he, he has one final meal with his disciples. And his primary topic of discussion was what was going to happen after he, he left them. And, the, you know, these guys had been with Jesus for three years. They had committed their lives to him. Judas had already left the room to go sell him out. So he was gone. So Jesus is talking to the 11. And he's having this conversation. And his primary focus was, okay, you're going you're gonna to be really grieved when I leave. I'm going to be crucified tomorrow. And you're going to scatter. You're going to leave me. But the Father is going to send another helper, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come and he's going to live in you. He's been with you in me, but when I go, it is better that I go because if I go, then the spirit that's been in me that has done all these miracles, has raised the dead, healed the sick, preached the gospel, is going to come and be in you. And then he's going to, I'm going to be able to live my life through you. And so in uh, this, this is not on the screen, but just a few short verses from, from uh, John, John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will, will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. Because I live, you will live also. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Oneness, union. That was the goal. That was the whole point. And then Jesus says, what does this look like? And so, you know, the Gospel of John, there are only two real parables in the Gospel of John. 
Every other gospel has lots of parables. John only had two. The kernel of wheat that falls to the ground and dies and the branch and the vine, or the vine and the branch. Branch and the vine, yeah. So John 15, this is the core text for this morning. I love this. (laughs) Guys, I have to say this. This is how important you are in the bigger scheme of things. Jesus, uh, uh, Wes said it this morning, but I want to reiterate this. There are only three players in this parable. There's the gardener, the vine dresser, who is the father. There is Jesus, who is the vine. And then there are the branches. There's nothing about angels. There's nothing about galaxies. There's nothing about heaven, hell. There's nothing about anything else. But the gardener, the vine dresser, the vine, and the branches. And the vine is not the focus. The, the, the vine dresser, the father, the gardener, is fussing over the branches. His focus is on you and me. Just don't, don't miss this. This is how important you are. I don't care what the devil tells you. You are the focus of the Father and the Son. So, I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener or the vine dresser. He prunes, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. How many of you have been pruned? Oh my goodness, isn't that fun? (laughs) Don't you just feel so wonderful when you're being pruned? Famous preacher back when I was in seminary said, when you're being pruned, you don't know if you're, if you're dead, dying, or you're being pruned. It all feels the same. And it does, trust me. Go ahead and go to the next slide, if you could. So he cuts off every branch of me that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will, be, that it will bear even more fruit, or be even more fruitful. And then listen to this, verses four, uh, verses 4 and 5. Remain in me or abide in me as I abide in you. You and me, me and you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide or remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me or abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This doesn't work. This leads to burnout. This leads to exhaustion. I would much rather be a branch in the vine than a cordless drill. Every time. Jesus doesn't want you to live your life for him. He wants to live his life through you. There's a world of difference there. It's the difference between exhaustion and burnout and life and vitality and fruit bearing. For years I tried to be a good pastor. For years I tried to read my Bible and pray and, and, and be a good Christian and live for God. And I had all these things I was going to do for him. 
And he said, okay, go ahead. I'll let you, I'll let you do that as long as you want to. And eventually my battery ran down and ran out, and I couldn't recharge it, and I was done. And I just collapsed in a heap, December 2012. The church gave me six months off. And when I returned in July of 2013, I had a new life. God had given me the more excellent way to live. I realized that only Jesus can pastor this church. Only Jesus can build this church. We just read it this morning. Unless the Lord builds the house, the workers labor in vain. I had been laboring in vain. I had been laboring. That was the whole point. I had been laboring. It's the difference between striving and resting. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will wear you out. (laughs) Right? (laughs) No. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're burning out, you're doing something that you weren't supposed to do. You're doing like Martha. She was making sandwiches Jesus didn't order. I've done that. Guys, Jesus wants to live his life through you. You know, um, until about 10 years ago, automobiles were primarily running on fossil fuel. I know that's kind of out of vogue now. We're supposed to sell our fossil fuel vehicles and buy electric cars now, all right? Good luck with that. I'd love to have a Tesla. (laughs) I can't afford it. But here's the thing. Cars were, you know, made for the most part to run on gasoline. How foolish would it be to buy a car and push it to the store so you could put groceries in it, so you could push it home, right? That sounds ridiculous. So why do we live like that in our Christian lives? Like, Jesus, you stay over there. Give me your grocery list, and I will go to the store and get what you need. When he's like, no, I, I, I want to do this. Could, could I just, could you move, could you get out of the way, let me do this? I mean, how foolish would it be to, to push your car to the store? To fill, you know, it would just be a glorified shopping cart. And that's ridiculous. We, say, we all think that's ridiculous. But yet, Jesus is the fuel that supposedly is supposed to run the engine of our lives. And we're trying to do it for him. We're trying to, to live it for him. We're trying to live our lives for him. So we strap it on and we, we try, 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 and we strive, strive, strive. And the gospel is, depending on Christ's life, in us and through us, now and forever. He wants to take your life and live through you. See, that's why he said to the disciples, it's good that I go away. But if I, if, because if I go away, I will come and I will make myself known to you. I will live in you. And, and, and then I will use, 
Like, like there's only one of me right now in this body. But when I go back to the Father, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be in your body, your body, your body. That's what Pentecost was all about. That's why he said, Jesus said, please do not do anything, period, after I'm gone, until the promise of the Father is sent, until the Holy Spirit comes. Don't do anything. Now, you know Peter. <laughs> he can't not do anything, right? He, he just has to do something. So he stands up in the middle of this prayer meeting. And he says, you know what? We only got 11 now, 11 disciples. Judas, you know, he, he messed up. He betrayed Jesus. He's dead now. We got to replace him. So here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to draw straws, and the, the one who draws the short straw, he's going to be the new disciple. How many of you have ever heard of Matthias after, after uh, you know, the first couple of chapters of the book of Acts? Anybody ever heard of him? No, you haven't. He's not in there. We never hear of him again after he draws the short straw. It's like, oh, I'm the 12th disciple. No, Paul was the 12th disciple. Paul was the replacement. Paul was the one that was going to take the Gentiles and help them, uh, us be grafted into the vine of Israel. Peter, sit down and be quiet and start praying because the promise of the Father hasn't come yet. Stop doing something and just sit down and pray. You know, day eight, day nine, eight o'clock in the morning on the 10th day, I'm sure they're scratching their heads like, what are we waiting for? Peter's getting very anxious, very antsy. He wants to do something. And then it came. The Holy Spirit came. The Spirit of Christ came and rested on all the disciples and filled them. Why am I here jingling? Is Santa Claus in the building? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> That's awesome. You keep doing that. The Holy Spirit came and he filled his people and Jesus was now in Peter and John and James and Matthew and Andrew. And he was in each one of them. And I love the fact that, that when Peter goes up on the steps of the temple, he and John are on their way up to worship. And they see this man that's crippled. And uh, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit draws their attention to this guy that had been begging on the steps of the temple for his entire life because he was born crippled. He was a beggar. And Peter says, looks at him and fixes his gaze on him. The Holy Spirit points him out, and he says, I don't have any gold or silver, but what I do have I give to you. Listen, that's not disruptive to me at all. Please, don't worry about it. <laughs> what, I, what I have I give to you, get up and walk. And he pulls him up on his feet, and this dude is like dancing. Can you imagine being born crippled, and suddenly you can, you can move, you can dance, you can, you can run? And, and suddenly there's a crowd just coming. And uh, like I think 5,000 people came to Christ that day. Because Peter said, hey, let me tell you what's going on here. It's not me, it's not John that did this. The Lord Jesus Christ did this. He's in me. And of course they were arrested and taken before the same, the same Sanhedrin that had Jesus put on the cross just months earlier. You know... Peter 
in his strength and in his flesh, after he stood up, when Jesus said, you're all going to betray me, you're all going to desert me, Peter gets up and declares his undying loyalty to Jesus. The rest of these clowns may desert you, I never will. And after he cut off Malchus's ear, he took off because Jesus put it back on his head and said, let them go, take me. And, Jesus, and Peter was gone. And he was embarrassed about that. And he denied Jesus three times before the, the rooster crowed that morning. And of course, Jesus found him and reestablished him and said, you know, when you come back, to, he said at that time, when you come back to me, strengthen, my, you strengthen your brothers and feed my sheep and all that. Well, on the day of Pentecost, Peter is the one who stands up and preaches the gospel. And now he's standing before the very Sanhedrin that had Jesus put on the cross. And guess what? He's no longer a coward. He's no longer denying Jesus in front of a teenage girl at a fire outside of where Jesus was on trial. Now he's standing before the very people that had Jesus put on the cross. And there's not an ounce of cowardice in him. Because now he's standing there full of the, of the Spirit of God, of the Spirit of Christ, filled with Jesus. He's standing there in Jesus. John is standing there in Jesus, Jesus in them. And it says, as the Sanhedrin looked at them, as these Jewish rulers looked at them with the power to have them crucified, handed over to the Romans to be crucified, it says they recognized them as having been with Jesus. They recognized Jesus. They saw something in them that they saw in the one that they tried and had crucified. And they saw that same courage and that same strength and that same determination and that same power. Peter's like, if I'm on trial today because I healed a, you know, a, a man born blind or born, born crippled, you know, well, you know, guilty as charged. But he said, He's standing here today because of Jesus whom you crucified. And by the way, there is no other name in heaven or on earth by which men can be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is after the Sanhedrin had warned them not to say any more, not to teach any more about Jesus. And Peter said, I can't help it. Do what you must. I will not stop preaching the name of Jesus. Because he was standing there in the power of Christ. And they saw Jesus in him. And he was acting and looking just like Jesus. Now, if we're supposed to experience this, if we're supposed to experience life living in the power of Jesus, Jesus living his life through us, how does this happen? Paul tells us several different times the same thing. How did you come to Christ? By faith, right? He even says about himself, I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Guys, the way that we get connected with the oneness of Christ in us is through faith. The same way that you believe Christ for your Lord and Savior is the same way that you believe Christ for it to be your life. We, we have to believe it's true because the Word says it is. 
over and over again. I was just looking up the verses last night in, in Ephesians and in, in, uh, Colossians that say, put off the old self that is dead in sin and put on the new self. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. That's by faith. We say, no, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I don't have to obey those lustful desires, those, those things that drag me away and down. And now I'm, I'm just going to believe, I'm going to believe that Jesus is my life. And I can not only leave it, live in freedom from sin, but I can live as more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. We, we, are, we are more than conquerors, guys. What's more than a conqueror? I like just being a conqueror. But more? I mean, Paul used to do this. He used to stack words on top of words to try to describe the Christian life. He said, you and I are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So Christ wants to live his life through you and through me while we, we rest in his all-sufficiency. Christ is our sufficiency. Christ is your sufficiency. He's my sufficiency. You can't live this Christian life apart from him. I mean, that's what we just read. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love the, the, the vine and the branch thing because you cannot tell where that vine ends and where the branch begins. I want this church, I want the people of this church, I want to live and I want you to live in such a way that when people look at you, they see Jesus. When you heal them, they see Jesus. When you lead them into a relationship with Jesus, they do so because they see Jesus in you. I want what you got. Whatever that is that you got, I want it. Well, it's Jesus. Well, I want it. I'm going to read something. This book, uh, by the way, I want to recommend two books this morning. This is a book by Major Ian Thomas called The Indwelling Life of Christ. It's, it's a, like a devotional book. Each chapter is about three pages long. It explains how to live the Christian life in, in what I'm saying, what I'm talking about. And the subtitle is All of Him in All of Me. So the, the indwelling life of Christ, all of him and all of me. This is gold. This is absolute gold. Second book is by a guy named Bill Gillum called what, what God Wishes Christians Knew About Christianity. It Might Surprise You is the subtitle. And uh, I want to read from the chapter, Only Christ Can Live the Christian Life Through Us. Many, many Christians have taken the independent do-it-yourself exit off of God's freeway. Cordless Christianity explains why Christians experience unexciting or even defeated lives. It explains everything from the so-called male midlife crisis to depression to boredom to anxiety attacks to passivity to abrasiveness to wimping out, the workaholic, the sofa or the couch potato, 
legalism to license, perfectionism to slovenness. These are all manifestations of living in the power of the flesh. And what Jesus would like you to know, or God would like you to know, that only Christ can live this Christian life through you. It's a great read. It's a great read. I'm going to make a final statement. (laughs) Jesus doesn't want you to live for him. Jesus doesn't want you to, Jesus doesn't want to be the focal point of your life, the center of your life. Jesus wants to be your life. And he wants to use your body, your brain, your eyes, your nose, your lips, your hands, your feet to live through you so that he can do himself in and through you. Because that's how the kingdom of God is going to advance. And then let me pray for you. Lord, Father, fill us with the knowledge of your will. With all spiritual wisdom and understanding and revelation. That in Christ and through Christ we might walk in a manner worthy of you in Christ and through Christ, to please you in all respects. And as we abide in the vine, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in our knowledge, our, our, our knowing of you, which is what we just prayed, strengthened with your power, <laughs> the power of Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead working in us and through us, now and forever. Amen. And go in peace. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.